Hello and welcome to A Light of the Crossroads. My name's Stephen Walsh. This month we're going to chat to Emma Burley about her new book, Soul Colour, which is a wonderful introduction to the world of watercolour and is available from all good bookshops or from liminal11.com. So now, let's talk to Emma. Hello Emma, thanks for joining us. Hi. I know your name, I feel like I know your work, possibly from my time at Gosh. Mm-hmm. You've sold in self-published things there before, I'm guessing? Yeah, yeah. So when I've come down to London to go to LCAF or, um, yeah, whenever I come to London really to see friends, I always pop into Gosh. So I've definitely sold, um, you know, some of my little self-published scenes and comics there over the years. And just looking over your work, I can see you've been involved in a few sort of comics-related uh, projects and activities. I was, I was pleased to see you were in an edition of uh, The Strumpet back in 2017. I was, yeah. That, I think that was my first published short comic, actually. Uh, so that was a that was a very exciting um, moment for me. And I remember saying that she was very delighted to hear that my first ever publication was in something called The Strumpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic anthology, isn't it? Put together yeah. by... Ellen Lindner originally and I think she's got some more help since then yeah just look at the issue you were in uh you've got people like Patrice Aggs and and Danny Noble in there so um it's a good yeah (laughs) some good company in there yeah yeah Danny spoke at one of our ladies do comics forums just recently because she just won the comedy women in print prize that's right I think she she shared it with Posey Simmons which is also pretty impressive not bad is it not bad at all yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah Danny did a great talk for for ladies ladies do comics recently yeah Danny's great she's a a terrific uh artist and creator but also uh just a really engaging person as well she's like really fun to speak to as well which is important I think yeah absolutely invite her if you need a speaker everybody (laughs) are you affiliated with the ladies do comics chapter in in Bristol I have to be quite clear about this because I won the Ladies Do Comics Prize in 2018 um, for my graphic novel in progress and I wasn't involved with Ladies Do Comics at that point. (laughs) However, after winning it, um, I was invited to set up a Bristol branch. There had actually been a Bristol branch, but it had kind of fallen away a bit because Paula Knight, who used to run it, had uh, become too unwell, really sadly, to carry on with it. So it had gone dormant for a while. So I kind of resurrected that and then um, more recently I've been helping out on the kind of core online team you know we've gone digital obviously since the pandemic so I've been helping to organize online talks and I'm running the online mentoring scheme which matches people up with um, notable female comics professionals who um, might be able to mentor you with your your graphic novel project. Your ladies have chapters and groups dotted all around the world don't they it's uh, wonderful yeah it's really growing there's quite an Indian contingent now and um, there's a group in Prague and Scotland and all different parts of the UK hoping there might be an Irish one soon actually oh fantastic a few, few Irish people who who are quite active so yeah hoping you all might get together I know Ireland's a big place but <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Bristol is such a comics hotbed as well isn't it it does feel like if anywhere in the UK is going to have a branch of ladies do comics Bristol should definitely be in the conversation yeah it was a good crowd here and there's a lot of illustrators and artists um 
as well as comic artists who will kind of cross fertilize a bit they well they used to be bristol uh hard to say bristol comic and zine fair which actually isn't happening sadly anymore but that that was a brilliant thing for quite a, a number of years when i first came here well, it was kind of before my time being involved in the, the, the comic scene, so to speak, but the way people talk about it, it was sort of like before Thought Bubble, Bristol Comic and Zine Fair was like the best show in the country, essentially. Really? I didn't know that because I only pitched right. up in Bristol about five, six years ago. Right, um, right. But yeah, it's such, it was such a great um, vibe and a really, yeah, really great turnout. A lot of people would turn up for it. And for us, for sort of Bristol branch speaker events, it's not the same sort of numbers, but you know, we, we usually pack out a little a little basement or hall wherever we've hired. It's probably about fifty people usually coming, between thirty and fifty. Yeah, that's great. Also as well, I think with sort of groups and societies like that, it's it's just the fact that it exists as a a, a sort of a nexus point for people. It's not you don't have to worry mm. about sort of head counts and numbers, it's more the fact that it, it's available for anyone then who does decide to sort of take an interest in comics and want to meet other people. Yeah, you're right. I think having that that nexus, as you put it, is is exactly right. You know, having points where people can meet and connect and uh, share and ignite new ideas, and and even online, that that's still possible. You know, there's quite a few little interesting projects that have mushroomed up in the last year through people meeting at online Ladies Do Comics events. Very good of you to outline the timeline of your involvement with ladies to try and avoid <laughs> the of, uh, But uh, I'd imagine even if you were involved at the time, it wouldn't preclude you from uh, being uh, able to submit your work for it and, and win because, you know, they can uh, separate the, the, the people from uh, their membership of, of the group. And, and yes, that's the, true. And we always get independent judges, so there's never anyone from the team on the judging <laughs> team. So, so yes, it is all kept quite nice and clean. It's all self-policed, which is the best way yes. to go. And similar to the strumpet as well, just looking at the shortlist from the year that, that you won, there are a few names that sort of leapt out. I mean, Rebecca Jones, who, I, again, yes. I know from Gosh, I've sort of bought in her, her, her zines and, and, and comics there when I was working at Gosh. And uh, Emily Hayworth Booth, who who won yeah. the Cape Observer Comica Prize herself in 2013. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, they're both awesome. And actually, we have a little peer mentoring group that came out of all being prize winners that year. So the three of us, we're actually meeting on Saturday. We meet every two or three months online and we share where we're at with our graphic novels and give each other feedback. So, yeah, that's been really, but, really but nourishing and supportive. Yeah. Interesting that they're the people I, I picked out from the shortlist. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you knew. they were kindred spirits. You didn't. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. When I worked at Gosh, I used to organise a sort of regular set of events called protests where I'd invite in creators to talk about their work. And uh, we got in Emily just after she won the prize in, in 2013. And she was great. Because she, she, like yourself, she, she teaches art, doesn't she? She's sort of like... Yes. Yeah, she teaches comics. And, and uh, as I say, you you teach art, but also I, I was really interested to see that um, I think quite recently you did an MA in authorial illustration at Falmouth. I did. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, I loved that. 
that was back in 2013 to 14. And actually, I wasn't really making much art prior to that. I was an art teacher. So I've been an art teacher in a secondary school since, um, I don't know, 2003 or something. But yeah, I, I'd kind of just got a bit stuck with my own personal work and often just felt like, I mean, I've heard teachers say this, that you give a, a lot of your ideas away. Um, it's difficult to kind of sustain a personal practice and teach full time. I think for, me, for me, that was true. And also just that I'd become a bit disconnected from myself in some ways. I'm sort of fascinated by the idea specifically of authorial illustration. I, I, I don't know what um, that yeah, means yeah. specifically, but it sounds like it, it's very sort of comics friendly. Yes, yeah, I know. It's really hard to say, actually. People always go like, what? What illustration? <laughs> but yeah, basically authorial as in authoring, writing and illustration. And the idea behind that, I think the course was set up by Steve Brown, who was still there, although he's moved on now. He was still there when I was there. And yeah, I think he was very much interested in making a course where people could be both the author and the illustrator of their own creation. And that there's no distinction because often weirdly, isn't it? But often illustrators are seen as less important or less central than writers. So, yeah, this idea that actually you might want to do all of it and be able to integrate your visual and your verbal ideas together. But yeah, it just it seemed like a really exciting idea to me. And yeah, like people on the course, they might be developing projects that are graphic novels or comics. Or they might be working in slightly more unexpected ways. So it doesn't have to look like a comic. It might be, I don't know, a giant piece of fabric with words stitched on. You know, it could be anything. It might be like a, I don't know, plaster arm with poems written on it. But, you know, like the idea of combining art and words. I'd imagine even if you were working, doing sort of spot illustrations for magazine articles or, or books, having that sort of training would give you a, a sort of greater appreciation of how to think about images to sort of convey mm. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think there is a difference there between just literally depicting what has already been written about. or And I don't think many illustrators do that, really, because illustrators are so intelligent and interesting and exciting <laughs> artists <laughs> normally. But, but, you know, like to actually be able to add something more to the written content through your illustration and sometimes that's even because you perhaps are saying something that's slightly at not necessarily at odds but slightly different from what's being said in the in the text and that so then the sum of the parts is greater than the parts like I think um something I really enjoyed playing with while I was on the MA was what happens when you pair an image that says one thing with words which say something that's not quite the same. So there's a slight dissonance. Yeah, what does that do to your understanding and how does that add sort of layers of ambiguity and depth and complexity to what you're what you're interpreting? Yeah, it's one of the, the things that I think comics are particularly good at, of course, because, you know, uh, sometimes when you're talking about comics, you realise that yeah. the worst comics are the words and the pictures are telling you exactly the same thing. I mean, like one of these. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think there's a sort of old fashioned view of illustration, isn't there, where illustration is literally making a picture of whatever's been written about. One of the things I've talked to people about on this particular show, when I'm talking to people about the tarot decks that Liminal Eleven produces, 
mm. is the fact that like for Kay and Darren, choosing comic creators to make tarot decks was a very particular choice because mm. comic creators are especially skilled and practiced at producing images that wordlessly are conveying story and message and, and character and theme and tone. So, yeah. it, you know, not easy, but, you know, it's a, it's a bit easier, I think, for comics creators to sort of visualise those ideas in the tarot and present them as images in a very sort of natural and, and beautiful way, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And they've really succeeded, haven't they? There's some really, <laughs> really gorgeous... Yeah, it seems like they're going okay so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Falmouth itself has a tremendous reputation for producing illustrators and basically arts graduates. Like the, the illustration course at Falmouth is a bit of a sort of wellspring of talent, isn't it? It totally is, yeah. It really punches above its weight. And um, Bristol is full of people who've kind of spilled out of Falmouth and ended up here. <laughs> so <laughs> I think about half the illustrators I meet and comic artists here did go to Falmouth. And most of the others went to UWE, University West of England. Ah, right. Yeah, I know um, a friend of mine, uh, Ramsey, who's a comics creator, uh, was telling me before about how, I forget the name of it, but there's a particular uh, arts institution in California, which essentially people just get recruited directly from it into like Disney and Pixar. They sort of, they really? know, yeah, well, they, they, they sort of like yeah. go to the end of the year show and just sort of pick out five people and go, you can join the team and uh, design mm. some characters for us. And um, Randy <laughs> was trying to explain to me how Falmouth was essentially the UK's equivalent of that, but no one had really cottoned onto it. Fully yet. Yeah, so he, you're probably right, yeah. He, sort of, yeah. he made a point when he was putting together his own um, comics project of sort of basically going through the Falmouth uh, resources online and just finding interesting people to produce, like, covers and collaborate with him mm. on, uh, on on comics, so... Yeah, yeah, it's probably a really good place to look. Yeah, I would recommend that. <laughs> We're here to talk about Soul Colour, your new book out from Liminal Eleven. How, how did that project come together from, from your side? Well, actually, yeah, going back to where I was talking about being a teacher for a long time, and but actually I, I went to Falmouth to kind of kickstart my personal practice again, because I'd got a bit, I'd got a bit stale and stuck in my, in my own work, and I, I was just I was basically just an art teacher and feeling like a little bit jealous of the, the students and also feeling like I remember my um my boss at the time he was the, the head of creative arts at the school saying you know A-level's great isn't it because at A-level you kind of help that student reach into their soul and pull out what's pull out what's there and uh, yeah I kind of felt like I really want to do that for myself and I really want to learn how to do that in the way I teach as well you know by extension so yeah Falmouth was very much as well as working on my graphic novel I was also trying to find a way of working which really helped me to connect to my own feelings and to paint and create from an authentic place and really find my find my own voice and and be able to listen to it and I guess reach into my own soul and, and pull out what's there. And so, so yeah, I guess that's that's kind of where I really got interested in creativity and the creative process and how, for me, art feels meaningful when, you, when you're really connecting at that deeper level. So all the while I was working on my graphic novel, which I, I still am actually working on it sporadically, I was also 
looking at how I could, yeah, how I could support myself because it is quite a dark subject, my graphic novel. And so Soul Colour, this book that I, I've just published, it's, or rather Liminal has just published, it's, um, it's kind of come out of how to support yourself in your life if you're working through difficult stuff, be that um, artistically or, or just in your life generally, um, emotionally. And so, yeah, over the last kind of six, seven years, basically since leaving Falmouth, was that 2014, I've been earning my living by being an art teacher mainly, um, also a bit of illustration and things, but you know, a big chunk of my income is from being an art teacher. But I teach in a really different way now. So I don't teach in a secondary school, you know, getting kids through GCSE and A-level. Um, I mainly now teach workshops where I'm helping facilitate people to self-connect and to... I guess, kind of look inside and see what's there and, yeah, find their voice through a painting practice. And I'm, I'm mainly teaching watercolour, journaling, authorial illustration, I guess, you know, working with text and image. And, and Soul Colour in particular is a watercolour painting course, which, well, the, the headline is to cultivate mindfulness and creativity. And... Uh, it's basically a 10-week course with an exercise you can do every day. And they're all exercises you could do quite quickly in maybe 10 minutes if that's all you've got. Or you could take a bit longer. And they take you through the, the basic skills of watercolour. But more importantly than that, although you do need the skills as a, a way of kind of feeling confident to express yourself. But more importantly still, it's about, uh, yeah, ways of expressing the energies that are going on inside you and ways of being able to kind of read what what you've done and respond to what you've painted with an appropriate response so that might be some self-compassion um, it might be some self-care it might be like oh this is interesting and worth exploring more deeply I actually dabbled for a very short time literally like three days in colours uh, earlier this year I bought a very basic learn to watercolour set that had you know a pad of watercolour paper uh, some brushes uh, some tubes of watercolour the whole set was was 10 euro which is about eight pounds which would give you an idea yeah. of the quality of, of brushes and, and paint you're getting uh, and then there was an instructional <laughs> book there and I, I sort of I bought it just because it looked like it could be interesting and then I watched a TV show called Painting with John. I don't know if you've heard of this. I have not. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's an HBO show in America with okay. a guy called John Lurie, who's a musician. Is it a bit like a Bob Ross sort of thing? It, it, it's kind of, it's sort of Bob Ross, but if Bob Ross uh, was essentially much grumpier, but in a, like, in a com <laughs> comedy grouch sort of way. Like, okay. Um, John, so John Lurie is uh, a musician an actor he did a few a couple of things with um jim jamoosh uh strange in paradise and down by law and he's in paris texas by vim vendor so he was like sort of like early 90s late 80s doing a few bits and a lot of music as well a lot of soundtracks uh mm. as well and he has basically got a condition where he has sort of chronic fatigue and he's painted for a long time but over the last sort of 10 years, painting is really his main sort of creative outlet because 
it's the sort of thing that he can sort of leave set up and whenever he's feeling up to it, he can go and and work on his uh, paintings. And the show is essentially him painting and just telling you stories and his music playing in the background. It's a wonderful uh, show. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, but it he, sounds great. It's sort of, it's an interesting thing where he's very sort of encouraging, but he's kind of like, he sort of quotes Bob Ross at the start where he's like, Bob Ross says any, everyone can paint. And he goes, and that's not true, but everyone can do stuff with paint. <laughs> so he's sort of like, you can't necessarily, uh, and like his sort of final thought in the whole program is sort of like, get some watercolours, paint something. It won't be good, but like watching the paint move around on the paper will bring you joy. And if you keep doing it, then you can make stuff that will be good and nice. So it's this sort of sort of tough love almost. Uh, philosophy. Yeah. I think with Soul Colour, just sort of reading through it, you know, you're much gentler than John Lurie, which is nice. <laughs> that was grumpy, maybe. <laughs> but it did sort of inspire me to sort of dig out that watercolour set. And I did give it a go. And mm. it was it was really interesting because obviously I've been watching this guy paint for like six weeks. And I was like, it does look like really fun and interesting. But I got frustrated quite quickly just because mm. I was like, there's no way to sort of make a consistent line. How can I sort of try and do something when I don't know what the rules and I was like and it's interesting I was, I was talking to the other folks at uh, Liminal 11 we have like a, a weekly sort of meeting chat and we were talking about sort of creative practice and mediums are working in and I was like I tried watercolour and I realised uh, why people talk about 10,000 hours to sort of get good at something because I, like, <laughs> I have no idea how to do the same line twice how much paint and water to mix and how much to sort of use pressure and whatnot so it's really sort of interesting to sort of read through soul color and and mm. realize it was you know my approach wasn't particularly healthy or correct whereas you very much emphasize the fact that if you're looking at it from a sort of meditative contemplative aspect watercolor is perfect isn't it yeah and i mean it's interesting isn't it because if you were to do a meditation you wouldn't have an outcome at the end that you could judge. So you wouldn't be like, yeah. I mean, you, you could try and people do try and I do sometimes judge it as well if I meditate, but you don't, you don't, you're not encouraged to think, was that a good meditation or a bad meditation? You haven't got something on paper to look at and judge at the end. You're just like, okay, I, I sat down and I meditated and I felt grumpy and I felt sad and I felt distracted or I felt happy and I had some like wonderful, you know, experience of, feeling united with I don't know the universe whatever but you know if you if you tell a meditation teacher about your experience they'll be like great you did a meditation it's not about the content you know it doesn't matter whether you know you judged it was good or bad that's just you judging your experience you know <laughs> so yeah it's really interesting to apply the same way of thinking to painting to a painting practice and I especially like watercolour because it is so unpredictable. So in some ways it takes away some of that feeling of I should be in control. So what, what I really love about watercolour and that um, I tend to do a lot in my own work is just like allow it to do whatever it wants. You know, like water just flows around, doesn't it? Water is pretty capricious and unpredictable. Um, drying times vary depending on how damp, or warm the climate is. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, with time, you, you do get more skilled and you are more able to 
predict what's going to happen if you do this or that or apply this sort of pressure but a lot of my favorite things that happen in water kind of happen by accident and actually to quote Felix Scheinberger who's a great illustrator who wrote the book Urban Watercolor Sketching which I really recommend he said watercolor is only really interesting when you allow it to surprise you which I thought was a really a really good point you know the most interesting paintings are the ones where you didn't have full control and it was more a collaboration between you and the forces of nature. It's that thing where you're sort of appreciating that it's art, not science. You can't be sort of caught up in precision. And I think, again, another sort of interesting distinction with, with Soul Colour from other sort of more instructional books, more sort of firmly instructional books, like the book I got with that, that set, their exercises were kind of like, here is this painting, Here's kind of how you do it. Now do the painting. And I, I yeah. sort of like tried it. And I was like, and like like three strokes in, I was like, it's gone wrong. And I don't know yeah. how to correct it. And now all I'm gonna have is something that's nothing like the exercise, the kind of the exercise. Whereas your exercises in the book are much more, let's do this, and then from that, let's see what happens next. Which I think is much yeah. more sort of open, isn't it? And and freeing. Yeah, because I feel like, you know, you're setting yourself up to fail, really, if you're trying to reproduce a painting that somebody else did. And I don't know about you, but I can't. I mean, I'm rubbish at copying other people's work. Like, it always ends up looking completely different, even when I try to copy. And I don't mind that. I'm kind of happier <laughs> to have my own my own things. And I think it's much more, you know, I'm much more interested in, like, helping people find their own surprises and their own unexpected pleasures and select their own colours and, and see what, what emerges and, and what they like and what they don't like and, and start to build, yeah, to build a picture up of your own tastes and preferences, your own voice, you know, what's your unique, your unique visual language. So I'm much more interested in helping people to develop that. I'm not at all interested in like, here's how to paint a boat. There are so many <laughs> books that do that already. So I, I didn't need to I've, add I read that book. I so read many that books book. that do that. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I really enjoyed about Soul Colour, again, purely as a book, was the sort of the look of it, the sort of design flourishes where you have obviously this sort of, let's call them the instructional images where you're sort of, it's the thing that you're talking about within the piece, but then just dotted around, you have these wonderful little swirls and patterns and little paintings that are sometimes sort of thematically linked to the thing, but sometimes are just like nice little elements that are on, on the page. What was the, the process there? Was that basically you sending a lot of things into Fran to sort of dot around and then you agreeing with her or did you suggest certain parts or different parts of the book? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of both actually. So right from when I had the idea, right, I felt like I wanted it to feel quite sketchbooky, quite informal, uh, like, you know, like they're just sort of dabs of paint on the sides of the margins and things, almost as if it's like a workbook or, or a sketchbook or a journal, something quite personal and intimate and relaxed about it and actually I was inspired by Felix Scheinberger who wrote the urban watercolour sketching book that's the only other book I've seen um, which I think has a similar aesthetic and I just really liked um, the way that he also lets lets images slip off the page and like I was saying before you know like you say the the um, the randomness of having sometimes images which don't quite to the text but they maybe add a little like oh why, why is that there and sometimes that makes you you know, that element of surprise can be quite fun. So, so yeah, that was my vision. But then Francesca um, was the most amazing designer, Francesca Romano. 
and she completely intuitively got what I was getting at and so I'd put together quite a lot of it as I wanted already but I don't have great design skills I'm not very proficient on InDesign or anything so it was all a bit kind of scruffy looking and and there was the big gaps and holes and there were certain pages where I just couldn't quite resolve it and I just didn't know how to make it look good and Francesca just took all that and was amazing just tweaked things added things and um, I sent her a whole load of extra splodges and little doodles and things and she just you know popped certain pages where I'd got a hole or uh, where it just didn't at the moment look quite right so in the end it was quite a creative collaboration between me and Francesca the design and a bit of back and forth thing and uh, yeah I've learned a lot from her and like especially because I was kind of wrestling with certain pages and I couldn't get them to work and then Francesca just effortlessly sort of sort of them out so yeah I feel like I've learned so much from seeing how she did that so yeah it was actually a, mo a most amazing experience because it was like you know when someone like knows you better than you know yourself it was like with with what I was trying to achieve in the design it was like Francesca knew what I was trying to do better than I knew it myself it kind of thematically works with the idea of the book isn't it like you're in the book you're very much advocating for creative freedom and you know thinking about art in a different way which I think then sort of makes the whole project open to things like collaboration and inspiration mm. and yeah working to a common purpose more than if someone had very rigid firm ideas about what needed to be in the book and what definitely didn't need to be I'd like the idea of like there being a file somewhere called random splodges and then you just say yes that. there is <laughs> <laughs> I think as well you've sort of alluded to the fact that um dotted throughout the book as well are lots of lovely little quotes from poets and musicians and philosophers and scientists and writers and all sorts of, of of people and and they're a lovely element as well again in sort of making making the whole book feel sort of very open and conversational and you know letting the, the air and light into the piece thanks yeah I think again I was thinking about what is the book that I would like to have but doesn't seem to quite exist yet and I guess I took um ideas from different books so there's um a lovely book by Betty Edwards yeah if you read Drawing on the Right Side of a Brain by Betty Edwards it's quite an old book isn't it but there's like lovely quotes in the margins that are really thoughtful and which support the support her ideas really beautifully so I just really liked that and in my workshops I often quote things you know whenever I read something interesting I try and remember to jot it down in a notebook and then yeah people have responded well to me reading them little quotes as they're doing their doing their artwork in workshops and things so yeah that, so that was that's really where that came from just wanting to pop some of those those ideas in to yeah to sort of support and expand and open out some of the suggestions and exercises I'm offering well it's nice as well because it does make it such a sort of rich experience because you know, uh, obviously with an instructional book you need an authorial voice you need someone to to be guiding you through it that you suddenly get these little dotted bits of dialogue from other people and from such a broad range of people that uh, it really does sort of uh, make it a, a incredibly sort of rich experience. Thanks. Yeah, I think I wanted it to be quite quite layered, you know, not just a how-to book, but also a book which makes you think about all kinds of concepts on different levels. So, you know, the, the meanings of colour on different levels, the meanings of space, um, you know, kind of concepts which are artistic but actually are also kind of life concepts and and so yeah wanting to quote people who are not just artists but 
you know, creatives of all, all kinds and even scientists and all kinds of different thinkers felt important. Going back to what you were saying about the, the sort of authorial illustration course, I think there's a really interesting tension within the book where it's sort of eminently practical. You, you advise people about using different kinds of brushes and different kinds of paints and, you know, a ceramic palette versus a plastic one, you know, very specific things. Mm. But at the same mm. time, all the way through, you're emphasising people's creative freedom and choices. So there's that tension between, oh, yeah, there's here's some advice, but feel free. I think even with the, the palette, you're like, oh, you know, you can get a ceramic palette, but you can also use a dinner plate. So it's really sort of like, here's the advice, but also don't worry about it. This is not the important. Yeah. Not, yeah, because I think especially with watercolour, it can get very fussy, can't it? Like you have to have these kinds of brushes and you have to have this sort of paper to... And yeah, I think like that sort of thing can really overwhelm people. And uh, I, I actually taught mainly elderly and retired people. And um, a lot of them, you know, they take up painting as a, a hobby when they retire. And I don't know if it's especially that age group, it seems to be, but such a fear of getting it wrong and of not being good enough and of don't try unless you're going to be just like a lot of that attitude coming in. And, you know, to some extent that I was also seeing that when I was teaching children as well and young adults but yeah really wanting to just sort of um soften all those those fears and worries you know like I'm, I've tried to avoid saying do not at any point because you can do anything you want it doesn't matter no one's gonna die are they you know like you can try anything <laughs> but at the same time I know what it can feel like to have like no instruction and you know just be like, just express yourself just do what you want because that, that also can't that also can sometimes be really overwhelming and, and not helpful you know people need some people need it you know some quite clear guidance and they need to be set up to succeed rather than um just sort of thrown in at a deep end with no yeah, I guess that that is the tension you're talking about there was how do I make sure people feel supported and guided and like they know what to do but not overwhelmed with you know excessively detailed instructions so wherever I feel like no that actually isn't that important I I say so or I I don't share it because it's not that important. Reading through it myself, and as I say, with the, the previous experience of reading something that was much more sort of very formulaic and laid out and stage by stage and do this, then do this, and this will happen. It was really refreshing to sort of see something. And as you say, with, with the sort of going the other way where you have complete freedom, you don't need a book for that. Do you? If you just want to get some watercolours and put them on the page, you don't need any instructions. Mm. Whereas I think the mm. beautiful thing about soul colour is there is specific exercises, but it's not sort of results orientated. It's more experience orientated. So it's sort of, yeah, it's, you're going to get something out of it in the act of doing. And at the end of it, you could end up with something quite wonderful as well. So there's that room to experiment, but it's not, you know, the, it's not aiming to a specific conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's how I approach my own practice as well, because... I don't know about you or any other. I'm not ashamed to say that I think at least half of what I paint, I'm not that happy with. Um, probably a good 40% I would actually class as failures. And that's fine. I, I did actually read something similar in a book by an artist whose work I really like. She's called Anne Blockley. I think, I hope I haven't misquoted her. I think she said that. And uh, yeah, I just think actually, yeah, if you're always trying to learn and explore and try new things and take risks, of course you're going to have failures. So actually being open and being willing to play 
means you're going to have lots of things that you know you don't like that much in the end or the results aren't that great the point is the process so every day or as often as you can if if you're having a creative time exploring things playfully and with openness then brilliant you've you've achieved what you set out to achieve if, if that's what you've set yourself as a goal it's simply to have a creative practice and and yeah some things will be great and some things won't just like life right you know you can't have a 100% success rate in anything you set out to do in life unless you're I don't know some kind of god or something <laughs> so yeah I think there's um perfectionism that we are so prone to getting crippled by is um something I wanted to try and bypass prize out a bit <laughs> I tried to make a book which um will hopefully help you to let go of your perfectionism rather than encourage it just going back to you your, your practice as you say what you offer now is essentially sort of workshops and courses in intuitive art making and sort of bespoke tuition up to a sort of point I guess one of the things I was really interested sort of seeing on your website was the fact that you offer um video courses you have sort of things that people can basically do uh, remotely which I think looks really interesting yeah well I made a little tiny video course which is a it's a little bit of a support for the book actually so it's just it's just really the first chapter exercises from the first chapter but, but with little demonstrations so you can see what I'm doing um, it's only like a fiver from my Etsy, my Etsy, Etsy shop um, but yeah, I mean, long term, I, I think I'd like to make more demo videos and hopefully put more out for free. There's a few things for free on YouTube by me as well. But yeah, I also, I've been, you know, because of the pandemic, I've been doing lots of Zoom workshops and online things. And uh, I think there's some online PDFs that you can download off Liminal as well from me, uh, which are a bit like a taster from the book. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. A video course is an interesting idea, like a, a bigger, longer one. And that's something I'm thinking about. Um, but I'm quite I'm quite busy because I'm actually going to well I've already started writing another book for Liminal, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm actually working on it as a sort of sequel to Soul Color. Oh, fantastic! We'll get you on to go through that one as well. I'm sure. Yeah, well, so hopefully this second one will come out next spring, and it's um it's an art and nature connection course. So it's going to be focused mainly on drawing and painting and watercolor in particular, um but much more focused around nature and nature connection. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. I feel like since the pandemic, so many people have been discovering nature and finding, you know, more pleasure and more ways of being in nature. And I feel that hunting and nature connection go so well together. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all I want to say for the moment, but I, I'll hopefully be able to talk about it more in the future. But it's very much following on from Soul Colour, taking the same kind of approach, but, uh, Whereas Soul Colour is designed as a practice you can do at home, the second book will be more encouraging you to go out every day into nature and, and respond directly to nature. And of course, the nice thing is Soul Colour, uh, I think, is a, a wonderful instructional book for people starting off with watercolour. So, you know, hopefully for the second one, people will have a bit more of a, a skill set ready to, to apply to the work for the second one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wondering whether whether I need to explain everything again, but hopefully not, because hopefully people will buy Soul Colour first. So. <laughs> yeah, if not, maybe I'll put some some helpful pointers on my website or something. People can follow 
uh, your other projects and your, your work in general at emmaburley.com. That's right. Yeah. B-U-R-L-E-I-G-H dot com, Emma Burley. And you're at Emma Burley on Twitter. Probably. Yeah, whatever, you've, <laughs> whatever you've got there. I don't know. I can't remember all my social media handles. But, but yeah, I am on social media. I'm a bit rubbish on it. So sorry, anyone who follows me. Um, but I, I do. I do try to remember to put things on there now and then. We're doing a little thing on Instagram at the moment with Liminal uh, called Soul Colour Sundays. So every Sunday, um, myself and... Uh, various friends and students and supporters and participants are going to be doing their artwork that they've created in response to specific exercises from Soul Colour. And Liminal have said they'll put some of their favourites on, I don't know on where, on somewhere, somewhere that's a Liminal <laughs> account somewhere. Um, but yeah, so it's a nice way for everyone to connect and see what each other are doing and um, share ideas. And it's always so interesting, especially with quite an open-ended exercise like you said where it's not try to copy something that somebody else did um be really lovely i think to see what everybody posts and all the different responses to the same starting point which will inevitably happen wonderful emma thank you so much thank you for having me thanks again to emma for talking to us and thank you for listening see you next month this show is a whole fast network production Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.